Well, welcome uh, again to each and every one of you. My name's Jago. Uh, it's really, really lovely uh, to see you all here. Welcome, uh, and I think there's a few people who are new here for the first time. Particular welcome uh, to you. We're in the second of a three-week uh, series in Colossians. Uh, last week I spoke on recalibrate, and today, as you saw just then, reintegrate. Now, Martin Luther, uh, who began the Protestant Reformation in the 16th century, he described the problem of humanity, uh, the human condition of sin, as human nature deeply curved in upon itself. So if Jesus, Jesus told us to love God and love others, this is, if you like, the idea that we naturally turn away from God, we turn away from each other by curving in on ourselves. And that generally happens for for sort of one of two reasons, either because of self-absorption, we're just so focused on my little world and my own selfish desires, so self-absorption, or it happens due to self-protection, you know, our fear and our worry of the big bad world, so we sort of curl up like a, a little hedgehog to to protect ourselves, self-protection. And this curving in on ourselves, it happens for us as individuals and it happens as sort of in society at large as well. You know, perhaps the best indicator of that is our phones. Uh, with our phones, what do we take photos of? Do we take photos mainly of the world around us? Do we take photos mainly of each other? No, we mainly take photos of ourselves. Even our phones are curved in on ourselves. And whilst the pandemic over the last year, whilst it has um, given rise to some sort of demonstrations of wonderful acts of service and love to others, I think also it has increased this sense of humanity curved in upon ourselves and for the same two reasons. You know, self-absorption. I no longer have to worry so much about my colleagues, my friends, because I don't see them so much, so much. So I can just focus on me, myself and I. Self-absorption. Uh, And again, self-protection, you know, that idea, I just need to hunker down, I just need to survive the pandemic. So for those two reasons, I think it sort of exacerbated this sense of us curving in on ourselves. Uh, And yet now we come to this time of things uh, opening up again, this reboot time, hence our sermon series title. From tomorrow, we are allowed to hug. You know, in the the newspapers, there's all these articles about who's the first person you're going to hug and that kind of thing. Uh, The Wrigley's chewing gum advert has gone uh, gone viral. Of people emerge, I don't know if you've seen it, people emerging from um, their homes out of lockdown to the soundtrack of Celine Dion. It's all coming back to me now to engage in a whole lot of hugging and a whole lot more with a bit of help from your favourite chewing gum. And today... I'm speaking about the need to reintegrate. Not as in Wrigley's chewing gum, reintegrate. That's a whole nother talk. I won't do that now. Uh, But reintegrating with family, with friends, uh, with the world. Particularly, what does it look like to reintegrate with church? You see, when it comes to church, reintegrating with other Christians, just look for a moment at the two ways that Christians are described in this little passage in Colossians. First of all, the first, right, first verse of our reading, verse 12, it says, God's chosen people. That's who we are, God's chosen people. We are a collective group, not sort of isolated individuals. We're God's chosen people. And, and then verse 15, we're described as members of one body. Different image, but same idea. We are one group, together, members of one body. 
Uh, my seven-year-old, she, for her, um, her, her reading for homework at school this last week, has uh, been reading this book about a shop dummy, uh, a mannequin that sort of comes alive at night. So after all, all the, uh, the, the customers and the shop employees have left for the night, uh, this mannequin suddenly comes alive and it starts running around the shop. And as it runs around the shop through the night, uh, slowly bits of its body uh, start dropping off in different places so that by the morning there are just lots of bits of body parts uh, lying on the floor of the shop. Now, weird story. Uh, I mean, a weird story, but, but actually quite a helpful image of what it's been like for us over this last year during lockdown. We are all members, we're, we're parts of the one body. Uh, but the last year, as it were, we have been scattered around on the shop floor, as it were, different body parts, unconnected to each other, isolated, and now it's time for us to reintegrate all the different parts of the one body. And yet, when it comes to church, actually when it comes to most of life too, there are two forces that are tempting us to us not to reintegrate. The same two forces that cause us to curve in on ourselves in the first place. So self-absorption. Self-absorption, you know, we've got used to the fact that we're just focusing in on ourselves, just doing what we want, being the ultimate consumer of church services when we want, where we want, what we want. You know, personal preference has become king with church as in the rest of life. I just do what I want but also that self-protection force too. You know, FOMO, fear of missing out, has been replaced by FOG, fear of joining in. Fear of joining in for all sorts of underlying reasons, underlying fears, whether it's the COVID fear or the fear of being challenged too much at church or the fear of uh, people not noticing us at church or whatever else it might be. The, the self-protection force stops some of us reintegrating. And today, what I wanna try and do is to try and answer what and why? What and why? What does reintegration look like in the church context in this post-pandemic world? And then more importantly, why should we reintegrate? So firstly, what? What does reintegrating look like? Two C's. Here's the first one. Commit. Commit. Each one of us needs to commit to one local church to be a part of. Paul's writing to these Christians in Colossae. He's saying you're members of one body, one local church there in Colossae. Now, the fact that you are here today in the building means I assume that you are committing to HTC. There will be a few here who are still sort of perhaps weighing up in the sort of post-pandemic era, uh, what church do I go to? And that, in a sense, that's okay. But please, would you make the decision quickly? The most important thing to do is to commit to one church whether it's this one or another one, because flitting between churches just means that you'll fall through the cracks and you won't feel like you belong in either. Uh, if you're watching this online from outside of London, fantastic. I really hope this is a, a real encouragement to you. You are a wonderful partner in the gospel with us here at HDC, but please make sure you primarily are connected to a local group of Christians who you can be physically part of. And committing, I think it means being as regular as possible on Sundays and being a regular member of a connect group too. Because in a biggish church like HTC, it is vital that we do small church well as well as doing big church well. You see, a connect group, it is a place where you can be really cared for, you can be known, you can build friendships, you can receive pastoral support, you can grow and develop as a follower of Jesus. It's where you and I, we can practice loving God and loving others. Uh, Susanna and I, we are a part, not a leaders, we're just part of a connect group. 
And for those of us here with children, I think what we've learned over lockdown is that there are some parents for whom Connect Group best, best works online for the majority of time, even after the pandemic, so that there aren't babysitting costs and things like that. And so there are some Connect Groups that are tailored uh, for you if you are in that category. Think of the early church. How did they do it? How did they do life? They did it like us. Not the online bit, okay, they didn't do that bit. But they met together, Acts 2 verse 46, they met in the temple courts, big church. And they met in their homes, small church. And so if you're not yet in a connect group, can I encourage you, would you commit to joining one? Just email admin at holytrinityclapham.org and Sarah Seabrook, who's in charge of connect groups, will get back in touch with a suggestion. But what I'd love you to realize, please recognize this, all of us, that undergirding those structures, some people are like, oh, I don't like structures. Undergirding the structure of Sunday services and connect groups, big church and small church, undergirding it, it is all about committing to each other. It's about committing to other people. The structures are there just there to help us to commit to each other. I wonder if you noticed that as Danielle read that reading again and again in those few verses. Just look at it. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. Let the message of Christ dwell among you. Teach and admonish one another. So that's the first thing. Commit to each other. And then secondly, contribute. Our encouragement in this church is that everyone grow, everyone pray, everyone give Everyone serve. That's what it looks like to be contributing as part of HTC. Growing chiefly through being in a connect group, praying through our monthly prayer meeting or HTC daily or using prayer mate or booking in on the upper Zoom that Ros was talking about, praying for the life of our church, giving chiefly financially, giving to enable all the ministries of the church to take place and grow and serving, using our gifts and our skills and our time for the vision of the church. That is what contributing looks like. Now, over the pandemic, obviously, things have been sort of shaken up in all sorts of ways. So one of the things that we've done in the last couple of months is to do a bit of analysis. And, you know, I used to be a management consultant, so I, I like a bit of analysis. And, uh, you know, it's, it's never going to be perfectly accurate. But what we try to do is to analyse everyone who's part of HTC and say, how many of those four things are people involved in? And here are the results. I think you might be interested in this. So there are around 730 people that are committed in contributing to the church in some form or other. In other words, 730 people doing at least one of those four things, growing, praying, giving, serving. Now, of those 730 people, 321 of them, so 44% of them are just doing one of those four. So they're just growing by being in a connect group, or they're just giving financially. They're just doing one of them, whatever it might be, just one, but they're not doing the other three. Another 22% are doing two out of the four. Another 20% are doing three out of the four, which leaves only 14% of us who are doing all four. So just 101 people out of the 730 doing all four. Now, as you look at that little diagram, I wonder where you place yourself. How many out of those four do you score? How close to that contribution centre are you? And what I'd love to say, I'd lo I would love it for far more of us to be doing all four, to be being in that bullseye centre, at least three out of the four. And you know, the reason why 
there aren't more people, a higher percentage doing four out of four or three out of four, largely at the moment is the pandemic. Because the fact is there's been reduced opportunity to serve specifically in church ministries over the last year. So it hasn't been this last year, it hasn't been everyone serve because that hasn't been possible. But you know, now we are opening up again. That can change. So where you may have felt a consumer of the church over the last year, again, you can be a contributor. And to aid that, what we've done is we've put a, a join a team page on the website. It just lists four or five different areas of church life where there's now a real need for more people to contribute. And just as I speak, you can see it there. There's um, morning service hosting. Can you help hosting in this service? There's being part of the kids team. There's being part of the youth team. There's being part of worship and production teams. Those are the areas at the moment. There'll be other areas in due course. But those are the areas at the moment where there is a particular need, where it'd be wonderful if you could help serve. So can I encourage you, if you think you're able, as part of being members of the one body at HTC, then if you could, would you fill in one of those particular forms today of where you would like to serve? Someone said to me this week, they said, um, they said during the pandemic, lots of uh, doctors and nurses came out of retirement and went back to work. But now we're coming out of the pandemic, it feels like lots of Christians need to come out of retirement and get back to work. And that may be a challenge to some of us here or online today. So that, if you like, is the what. That's the what of reintegrating. Commit and contribute. But actually, far more important for us to hold on to today is not so much the what, but the why. Why reintegrate? You know, me just telling you, please commit, please contribute, that in itself, it's not really a great motivation, is it? So why should we reintegrate as church? Three reasons. Number one, reintegrate to feel Jesus' love. And you might think so far from what I've said that it's sort of reintegrating as a body of believers, it's, it's a duty rather than a delight. Now far from it. You know, we live in a country where a pre-pandemic survey found that over half of the adults in this country, over half of them, fear that no one will notice for a long time if suddenly they disappeared. Over half of us. Now, since that survey, we have had a year when we were in lockdown, and so lots more of us, we will have felt lonely and like we did disappear for a long time. And faced with that loneliness and these fears, we as humans, we deeply desire community because we desire to be loved. All of us do. And all communities, any community, you think of any community at all, all of them, they partly exist because they're about us being interconnected with each other to experience relationship, to experience love. You know, you saw that with the Leicester City fans at the FA Cup final yesterday, didn't you? But here's where the church is unique. Verse 12 again. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. That is who we are. That is our status in Christ even before we do anything. Even before we gather as a community, we are God's chosen people. We are holy. We are dearly loved. And every human being on this planet, we are all wired to flourish when we feel loved. And that is going to happen best. We're going to flourish best when we know the perfect, unconditional love God has for us seen in Jesus. But how do you experience that love? 
How do you experience that love of God? If you like, how does the love of God, how does it put roots down in your soul? How does it put roots down in my soul? Well, a significant answer to that question is in the Christian community, in the church. Because here, as we gather, love comes to us in words. As we hear part of the ultimate story of love read and then explained to us corporately, verse 16, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly. Here, love comes via something that we can taste and feel as we share bread and wine, that reminder of the supreme act of love on the cross. We've been missing that means of experiencing God's love for over a year, but we can experience it again today. Here, love comes in the form of a song. God doesn't need us to worship him, but we, we need to worship him because as we sing, we remind ourselves, we remind each other of God's love for us. That verse says that through psalms and hymns and spirit, songs from the spirit, singing to God with gratitude in our hearts. It's why next week we're so looking forward to singing again on Pentecost Sunday. You see, us human beings... We're so easily curved in on ourselves, so easily through self-absorption, self-protection. But to, to use an illustration of Graham Tomlin, the Bishop of Kensington, we are like a flower. We're like a flower that is opening up to the sun when we feel the warmth of God's love shining on us. And we feel that most through being in the community of the church. We slowly open up like that flower. So why reintegrate as a church? So you can feel God's love for you. Second reason why to reintegrate as a church. It's for you and I to be Jesus Christ to other people. For us to be Jesus to others. I wonder if you noticed again and again in these few verses, what we receive vertically from Jesus is what we are to then show horizontally to each other. Just look at it. Jesus is love. First of all, Jesus' love. Verse 12, we're told we're dearly loved by Jesus. So, verse 14, we are to put on love for others. Jesus' forgiveness. Verse 13, forgive, he says, to others as the Lord has forgiven you. Jesus' peace. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ dwell in your hearts since as members of one body you are called to peace. That's peace with each other. Jesus' words even. Verse 16, let the message of Christ dwell amongst you richly as you then teach and admonish one another. Every time what we receive vertically from Jesus, love, peace, forgiveness, his words, every time what we receive from Jesus vertically is what we're then to show to one another. Last Wednesday, it was our, our annual meeting. And it was such an encouraging meeting. Those of you who are here, I hope you found it like that. And during the course of the annual meeting, I interviewed seven people, I think it was. And the overriding theme from every single one of them was how people had felt the love of Jesus for them through the love of others that they had met at HTC. So why do we reintegrate? Why do we reintegrate as a church to feel Jesus' love for us to be Jesus Christ to others. And then finally, we reintegrate to transform the world. At the world, it is full of all sorts of difficulty and evil and challenges and pain, much caused by people and society being curved in on ourselves. And the solution to that, well, the solution's us. The solution is us Christians and now look around at each one of us. Look at us. Look at us as a group. We don't look that special, do we? And if you thought we did, 
Think again, please. I mean, you know, we're all right, but we don't look that special, do we? There's nothing particularly special about us as you look at us. But what is going on as you and I, as we're meeting together like this, it is deeply, deeply radical because we are saying that there's another way to live, a way that most powerfully changes the world. And it's a strange list to sort of try and change the world with. We're told of compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. It doesn't sound sort of particularly gung-ho, we're going to change the world with that, does it? But as we live like this, slowly, sometimes even suddenly, the world around us is transformed. As we, God's chosen people, as we start letting ourselves be renewed by Jesus, as we start opening out from being curved in on ourselves, as we start resisting those desires of self-absorption and self-protection, instead as we start loving God and loving others, so transformation comes as we live distinct from this world. And if you look at the final verse of our reading, it's quite surprising actually. Because suddenly, having been so focused on the church community, this Christian community, suddenly the last verse in the reading, it suddenly broadens out. It broadens out so much. Look at verse 17. It says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And that phrase, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, it carries with it the idea that we act as the Lord Jesus' representatives here on earth in whatever we do. Think of what John Newton, the writer of Amazing Grace, famously said to William Wilberforce about him being an MP as well as a member of this church. He said to Wilberforce, he said, you are not only a representative of Yorkshire as MP, you have the far greater honour of being a representative for the Lord in a place where many know him not. You see, whether you're here and you're an MP or whatever you do, If you are in Jesus Christ, if you're part of God's chosen people, if you are a member of the one body, you are playing your part in transforming this world. Uh, The uh, church leader, John Piper, has written this. He said, William Wilberforce is proof that a man, or indeed a woman, can change his times, though he cannot do it alone. You and I, we need to reintegrate with each other because we can't transform the world alone. But together, as God's chosen people, as members of one body, well, we just might.